Hey there, my name is Carrie Sieber. I am a structural engineer with Vector Collaborative and also your host of The Unboxing Project. I am so glad that you're here joining us for season number two at Keep Coming Back. Today we have Dr. and Pastor Caroline Benke Becker. She is um, born and raised in Iowa, farm, farm girl. She got her undergrad from Wartburg College with a BA in biology. Uh, she went to medical school at the University of Iowa and she did her OBGYN residency at Indiana University. She is a board certified OBGYN and she has a private practice in OBGYN. Um, and as if that isn't enough, she didn't make a career change. She added a career and went to seminary at Bethel in St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, and she is a teaching pastor at Lutheran Church of Hope in West Des Moines, Iowa, um, which is where we're kind of affiliated. Uh, she doesn't know me that well, but I have been a member and went there and watched her speak many times, been inspired by her. So that was kind of the impetus for asking her to be a guest on the podcast. Um, and as if that isn't enough, she's also um, adjunct faculty at Mercy Family Medicine uh, in their residency program in Des Moines. So with that, thank you, Pastor Caroline, for joining today. Thanks for asking me, Carrie. Yeah, so maybe if you could start a little bit with uh, kind of your backstory of kind of how you grew up and kind of what got you interested in medicine? And then uh, we can move from there into the pastor side of things. <laughs> you bet, you bet. Well, um, grew up on the farm and um, really don't remember when I decided to be a doctor. My mom tells a story that when I was about five years old or so, she was upstate saying prayers with me at night. And um, after prayers, I said, mommy, someday I wanna be a nurse just like you because my mom is a nurse. And she says, honey, you know, maybe rather than being a nurse, you should think about being a doctor. And from that moment on, I was just kind of really focused, uh, tunnel vision on getting into medical school and going, uh, uh, being a doctor. I love, love, love science, um, but could not see myself in a lab for eight or 12 hours a day. I, uh, I love science and I like people and being the doctor seemed to be the way to, uh, marry those two things together. I just, um, I like a little bit of research, but not bench research the way, uh, <laughs> the way you think of about a scientist. So, sure. yeah. So that's how I ended up, uh, focusing on, on medicine, medical career. Okay. So when you went to Wartburg then was that, so that was kind of the plan was to continue on to medical school after that? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, um, you know, remember like in junior high in, in one of your classes, you always had to write a, an essay this is what I want to be when I grow up kind of thing. Mm -hmm. and at that time I said, I want to go to this college because I want to go to medical school, that sort of thing. So I actually chose my undergrad based upon my sole uh, criteria was which undergrad is going to get me into medical school. So I was looking for the, the school that had the highest acceptance rate into medical school. And that's, that's why I landed where I did. It had nothing to do with anything else. Okay. So I love this, Pastor Caroline, because I feel like that is so linear and planned out. And now I want to know how going to seminary, because my guess is like that wasn't part of the plan in junior high. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how did that come to be? 
Well, the funny thing is, is that uh, the story that I tell, I grew up in the church. So faith has always been just a part of who I am. It just, it's just, it's kind of part of my DNA. Um, and the church that I grew up in, though, uh, women are not allowed in leadership. They can't be pastors. In fact, for a while, they weren't supposed to even go to congregational meetings, that sort of thing. So story that is told, and I can remember this really vividly. Um, it was a Sunday after church, and the, the sermon had been on heaven. And when I was eight years old, it was probably the first sermon I actually ever listened to. And I thought about heaven thinking, that's the coolest thing I want to tell other people about heaven. So on the way home to Graham and Grandpa's, because we had, we had Sunday dinner with Graham and Grandpa, I leaned over and I told mom and dad that I wanted to be a pastor so I could tell people about heaven. <laughs> and my mom says she looked at my dad and kind of like, you're going to have to tell her sort of thing. And my dad <laughs> looked up in the rear view mirror and said, well, um, you really can't do that because girls can't be pastors. Well, I love my dad to death. And he just is, has always been my biggest cheerleader. And it's, dad says you can't do that well okay that's fine that's I'll, I'll just stay on the doctor route um mm -hmm. so um what happened was is very very long story short um once we finished our training in indiana we moved back here then to des moines at that point in time um we then had our three girls and with both my husband on call and myself on call we were never home um, and the kids were really small and it got to the point that we were missing things. And I said, I, I need to step back for a period of time until all the girls are in, in school so that I can then um, be both a doctor and a mom because it just was not working. Sure. Um, so during that time, I started doing more Bible classes and ended up teaching at Hope. Okay. And then when I was ready to go back into medicine, um, I had a meeting with Pastor John, who was one of the, the teaching pastors, the second pastor that we called um, early on. And he said, if you're sad about going back to medicine, does that mean that God's calling you to do something else? And it was at a time in the synod that we were trying to really find other leaders for the church that, that you didn't have to come out of high school to college to seminary and then you know be placed somewhere. They were looking for a different model of raising up leaders. And he said, I'm on this task force. Are you willing to be a guinea pig and do something completely different? Mm -hmm. um, wrestled with that for, for several months um, and then finally said, well, if, if, if I can make it work, let's see what happens. And that's how I ended up really roundabout way to seminary. So when you were like going through that whole process, were you remembering that time when you were a kid of yeah. saying, like, okay, okay. <laughs> Because I've always, I've always thought when we first moved to town, I looked for hope. Um, I looked for Lutheran Church of Hope. And at that time, um, they had not completely built on the land that they had, had bought. And so they were meeting in a, an office building and um, looked for it, looked for it, looked for it. Then finally, after the flood in 93, um, Pastor Mike actually rang the doorbell and said, I'm starting a new mission church, would like to, you know, if you don't have a church, would love for you to come. And I've always thought that at that time that the angel Gabriel kind of kind of leaned over to God and tapped him on the shoulder and said, let's just see what happens when she answers the door here on this, because it kind of flips everything around of, of where we were going and what we were, what we were planning to do. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so the, I think it's important to point out too. So at that point, the church, our, the, our church, Lutheran Church of Hope was like, what, maybe 20 members? Yeah. yeah. When we, when, when my husband and our first two daughters arrived, we increased the worship um, attendance by about 20% because it went from like <laughs> 20 to 20. We were then 24. Okay. Okay. And now attendees, like, especially now that we're online, it's not unheard of for it to be in the tens of thousands, right, for attendance every week. So, I mean, even the sanctuaries, like the main one, and then there's the satellite churches as well, but the main one's 2,500 people maybe. So (laughs) it has grown a lot. (laughs) Crazy to see. Yeah. 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 Okay. So then you went to Bethel um, and then was the plan to kind of uh, to focus on that or were you uh, like, did you always have kind of that in the back of your head? You still were passionate about OBGYN and still wanted to pursue that or? Yeah, I, there's, there's something about, um, I think when you've had a goal for so long and you've worked so hard to reach it, that um, giving that up for me anyway, I, I just couldn't see doing that. And especially with the way that that OBGYN does their boarding, as long as you maintain your boarding throughout, you know, boarding and licensing, you can actually then re-enter back into practice. And I wasn't ready to give that up. You know, when you work like that um, to walk away from it, I just I I I just couldn't. I just couldn't right. because. And it was good because then I found a way that I can then combine the two of them. So, okay. Okay. So, so when you came back, so when you were, came back for, and had your Master of Divinity um, and then started becoming a teaching pastor, were you just doing that at that time? Or were you also, did you also have your practice at that time? Your I had, Yeah. I had stepped away from practice at that point in time. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, how would you like how would you combine those two or how like let's talk a little bit about like the fact of so OBGYN and structural engineering for that matter as well they're very scientific field and everything is provable and there's there's satisfaction in that and some of us are just wired that way like the same thing right in medicine where everything is proof-based and so when we can go through and prove things, it's very satisfying and we can believe it. And we're in these professions as well, where we research and research, and then we feel like we know it all um, so that we can implement what we have researched. And the public is requiring us to know as a lot so that we can implement it with, you know, with, with good skill. Um, but faith is completely different. Like, we don't ever know it all, right? Like, like that's the part of it is that God wants us to use him as that bridge um, to him, right? So how, how did you come to that realization in your own head and heart of having faith and not being able to know it all when it comes to God? Yeah. Well, for me anyway, Carrie, to, I, what I would say is, especially in medicine, maybe more than in structural engineering, but definitely in medicine, we just don't know it all. Um, uh, and you hate to say this out loud, but every time you, you prescribe a medication for a patient, it's an experiment. I know, I know pretty much how this is going to work, but mm-hmm. you're a unique individual. You may have an allergy nobody ever knew about. You may have some kind of genetic wonkiness that that this you're gonna have an odd interaction so every time that i that i do something it it's it's a i think it's gonna work let's watch and see if it does so every every day is an experiment 
um, and it's some experience experiments. Uh, you always learn from an experiment, but sometimes it's because you failed and sometimes you were successful. So mm -hmm. for me, it wasn't that I always knew, always, always, um, except for I can always tell you that you will never be um, pregnant forever. I mean, that is a given. <laughs> um, everything else is, I believe this is what it's going to be, but I can't tell you for sure. So for me, that's just how I live my life. So to transfer that understanding in science, um, because science is continually uncovering more and more, mm -hmm. same way that I think of that in faith. Um, I uncover more and more about how I understand God and his work in the world and his work in my life. And so not being able to know all of it, I'm, I'm content with, because I can't know it all in medicine. I can't know it all in faith, but I can know enough to, to um, it's not a blind step of faith. It's For me, it's a very logical, rational conclusion to the information that I have right now. Sure. So for me, both of them, it's, it's the same way of living. And, and um, you know, it's, it's, it's two different ways of knowing about the world. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, science can give us the answers to certain questions, but not every question. Mm -hmm. uh, art can give us answers to some questions, but not every question. And so um, I've, the people who say that you can't be a scientist and have faith just haven't understood that you can't ask questions of science that you should be asking of faith. And they get that all mixed up. Very good way of putting it. So, so for me, it's, it's science is, can't answer a whole bunch of questions, but it can't answer something like, um, who's the better musician, Beyonce or Bach? Mm -hmm. Science can't answer that question. Right. Music can, you know, that, so we have to know what, we're, what questions we are allowed to ask of each discipline. So how do you use that in both professions to kind of fill the holes of, you know, like what you can't solve everything in medicine, you can't solve everything there. So, you know, what do you, how do you augment each one with the other to make it a whole person, right? Because that's all of our goals is to be an integrated person in every regard. So it's kind of, for you, it's kind of in those two professions. How do you interchange them? Right. So. The way that I think about it in, in medicine, medicine uses a lot of science to make somebody healthy. Um, faith uses, uh, faith school, science school, or science and medicine especially is, is to make a, a, a person physically healthy. Um, faith is to make somebody understand a relationship so well that they're spiritually healthy. So that, especially in medicine, if you're in a situation where I cannot physically make you healthy, but that means that then I need to be really leaning hard on the relational health. Mm -hmm. That there is something about, especially in our culture today in the United States, when people get sick, sometimes they get abandoned, they get isolated. I mean, COVID right now is just highlighting what happens to too many people. When yeah. they get sick, people walk away because um, they don't know what to do. They don't, want to, don't know what to say. In those situations, what you need to do, what I think, what I do and try to do is to really bring that relational side in then. Mm -hmm. I, can't, I can't make your ovarian cancer go away, but I will never not be with you as you're walking this road mm -hmm. type of thing. Then when you turn it around with faith is, it's hard for a lot of us to believe in something we can't see. Mm -hmm. If I can bring some of the scientific mindset 
there are rational ways to look at this. There are things that we can discover. You can interrogate, literally interrogate the text of the Bible mm -hmm. to uncover and, and answer those questions, which then removes some roadblocks for you then to jump into a relationship. Mm -hmm. So I see them um, uh, fulfill, they, they fill in gaps that each of them naturally will have. Sure, sure. And I, when you say that, like, so like as Christians, we like, it's our job to be like, to behave, like to show people how Jesus would, would treat people and to be a good example of what Jesus would do. Right. So when you're saying that from an OBGYN, it makes perfect sense, right? Because you're saying that you're walking with your, with your patients and saying, you're going to be there for them. So you have that empathy, which is exhibiting that, um, like we're supposed to, right? So, <laughs> and, and what I love, love, love about the Gospels, and I always, I always lean on this when I want to, I want to um, make my point, is the fact when you actually look at the Gospels about the story about Jesus, fully um, one quarter of what it, the Gospels reporting are about him doing healings. Um, and so I'm thinking, you know, he is using the science that he gave us. I mean. Science, medicine is a is in my in my estimation, it's a gift. Mm -hmm. it's a gift to be able to understand. It's a gift to be able to question. It's a gift to be able to to inquire about what is going on. Um, and Jesus used that gift all the time. So it's kind of like, well, of course, this is what we should be doing then. Yeah. No, I love that. That's awesome. Well, and like, so for me, I always think I have to know it all, right? Like I have to know all of the stuff about religion before I can like. Um, help someone else or before I can tell them about it but like in reality like we're not in control and God's in control so it's like you just have to open the door right so yeah. I think um, that's always like on the the religious side of it I guess or on the the teaching side of it too so yeah 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 if you just let somebody know what your experience has been that has valid uh, validity um, and people are willing to listen to your story um, mm -hmm. try it out for themselves yeah. And like the, the fact of that whole matter is that like God works through people, right? So it's a feeling that they have to feel and a faith that they have to be open to and God develops it. We don't develop it for other people. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So what would be something that you're passionate about, even though we've already talked about a couple of your passions here? <laughs> well, for me, it's, it's, um, uh, doing OBGYN, I, I did it for a couple of reasons. Um, number one, I like surgery. And mm -hmm. when I got into medical school, that's what I thought I was going to do. I, was, I had planned to be a general surgeon. Um, but once I did my general surgery rotation as a third year med student, I decided I liked the aspects of surgery. I didn't necessarily like the surgeons themselves. Personality and I just, we just didn't, didn't, didn't click. Mm -hmm. um, and so OBGYN allows you to do both medicine and surgery, which I really, really loved. Um, the other thing is I'm a huge, huge advocate for women being able to take control of their own destiny mm -hmm. um, and advocating for them. Um, you know, when I was in medical school, there was uh, about a third of my class was women. Um, when I did my residency in my residency class, and it was a pretty big residency class for an OBGYN um, residency there were of the seven of us five of us were women okay. more than 50 percent of docs in OBGYN are women and there's something to be said for being able to advocate for your patients that way so um 
wanting to do wanting to do surgery plus i wanted to have continuity with my patients to be able to see them throughout multiple years of their life then being you know quite honestly a fairly um, vocal feminist it seemed to fit really well um, and so being ad being able to advocate for women and their families is something that that um, I know the residents think I'm crazy sometimes about, no, you've got to think of it this way. And mm -hmm. how, how is she going to actually implement this in her life with her job, with her kids sort of thing? I love that. And I love how the other thing I love about what you just said, Pastor Caroline, is being an advocate and, and like, you know, being ambitious, right? So like, and having like, being a feminist or whatever, right? Like, um, and being ambitious sometimes, like, I think, I hate to give stereotypes, but sometimes, you know, like a strong Christian woman, like sometimes there's the perception that they should be demure and meek, but like God made us how he made us and he wants us to use our gifts that we have. And sometimes that means being ambitious and being bold and being loud in, in you know, talking and, and giving examples for him and, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, uh, I've always laughed because the, the path that I went to through for seminary and then being ordained and rostered and all that stuff was a path that nobody had ever had before. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I ended up creating the path and, and, and looking back on that, um, there's a, there are a lot of places where I see where God was there, but he put me through my life experiences with medicine to give me the kind of thick skin that was necessary at the time for me to, be, me, me to be able to blaze that path. Because there were a lot of things that went on that were just just ridiculously stupid. Um, and I called people out on it because I, I, didn't, I, I didn't need seminary and ordination for my self-worth. I already knew who I was. Mm -hmm. I already knew that I'm an accomplished person. I'm, I'm, I'm intelligent, I can work hard, all that kind of stuff. And so you telling, me, you telling me to do these things just doesn't make any sense. And no, I'm not going to, I'm just gonna do it this way. Um, uh, allowed, you know, I, I told people, it's me and my big mouth got open the path for other people who may not have such a big mouth. <laughs> yeah, but God gave you that passion too, right? To, to be an advocate for yourself and in turn for other people that are pursuing, you know, that are ambitious and that are pursuing things as well. And to show that it, like, that's okay. And that's how God made you. And that's the way you're supposed to go. <laughs> yeah. And I think that helps other people feel more emboldened to be a strong advocate for Christ, but also for what they were truly made to do and what makes them feel the most whole and like feel the most fruits of the spirit, right? Like that, <laughs> like that can't be wrong when you feel those things, like it, that can't be the wrong thing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, when God, when God gives you something to do, he wants you to feel fulfilled, not frustrated. Mm -hmm. um, challenged for sure. And, and to be fulfilled, I think you do need to be challenged in places, but you should, but God doesn't want you in a place that you're, you're forever frustrated that you're not being able to be who you truly are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. <laughs> so what would you say is a major risk that you've had to take to get to where you are now? Oh, well, being a woman in male dominated professions. I mean, um, especially when I went to medical school, um, Oh, story. When I was a chief resident, um, 
which meant that in my fourth year of residency, then I was uh, elected to be the liaison, kind of the, the, the head of the residencies the, mm -hmm. from the resident standpoint. Um, so that, that says you've got leadership skills, you, you know what you're doing in medicine, that sort of thing. So I'm a chief resident and I'm scrubbing a case with one of the best, best vaginal surgeons I've ever worked with. And you never got to work with him until you were in your fourth year of residency. Okay. It was a great case. I was really excited about it. And um, I happened to be at that time about 10 or 12 weeks pregnant, but hadn't told anybody. I, I just, you just knew that that wasn't, you, you just had to be smart. So I'm scrubbing with this guy that I've been anxious to operate with. And he said, cause there was another woman in my residency class who had just announced that she was, she was about 20 some weeks pregnant. Um, he says, you know what, I'm really glad that they're finally letting women into, into medicine and finally letting them, um, you know, do surgery and all that stuff. He says, but I really don't think that they should be allowed to get pregnant during residency. And here I am, <laughs> 12 weeks pregnant, doing a, a, a I, I, I didn't claw his eyes out. I wanted to. Here we are. We're trying to help women have the healthiest pregnancies they possibly can. And what he's doing is saying, you as a woman, I don't want you to have both a career and uh, a family because it's inconvenient for me. And I thought you've got to be out of your mind. Yeah. Um, so you learn where to, you learn where to be quiet and then you learn where to speak up. Um, and that happens in medicine. And it happens a lot in ministry. There are still a lot of people who don't think women should be leading in, in ministry. Um, mm -hmm. and I can't tell you the number of times I've had people come up to me and say, um, you know what, I don't think really God called you here. <laughs> and my answer, my answer is, is, well, you know what, your problem isn't with me. Your problem is with the Holy Spirit. Take it up with him. Yeah. You know, it's that sort of thing. Or the classic one, I never thought that I would be able to listen to a woman teach or preach, but you know what? I think I could listen to you. <laughs> the challenge always is, is not to throttle somebody when they do stupid things like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the other thing I really love about our church though, is that like, it takes strong men to be supportive of women too. And I feel like we totally have that. And I love seeing that. And I feel like all of our pastors and all like all the people that I've had interactions with, like they're very loving and accepting and no one, like the judgment is out the door. And I feel like also like supporting women in career professional things, like that's also supported. And, and they're very vocal about that too. And, and talking about instances in the Bible where, you know, some of the people that Jesus picked to be very monumental figures were females. And that was like unheard of in that day. Absolutely, absolutely. And I always love to bring up all of the strong women who were leaders, Old Testament and New Testament. And people will say, well, I've never heard about him. Says, well, it's because their voices, unfortunately have been silenced for too long. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So talk about risks, right? Like that's a lot of different risks. Like you said, like to know when to speak up and when to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> I mess those up every once in a while, but you know. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> um, okay, so like the last question I had for you. So who is somebody that inspires you? And you don't have to limit it to one person. If there's multiple people, that's fine too, so. 
I was thinking about this. I've had inspiration at different stages in my life. Um, when I was young, I was inspired by my aunt because she had a PhD and was working and raising kids. And that's not that my mom was a stay-at-home mom. It was perfect for my mom, that sort of thing. But it just, I just knew even as a young kid, that wasn't what well, wasn't for me. So she always inspired me. Then through through uh, medical school and training, there were two women, especially in my residency program, who really were inspirational. They were sharp. They were they were they knew their stuff, and yet um, their ability to talk with patients and explain things was phenomenal. And I always said that this is the kind of doc I want to be. Mm -hmm. um, and and that you know that. They, I can hear their voices in my head on a regular basis of how to present things to patients and how to, how to look at what's going on through their eyes. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the other thing that's really cool is now that we've got three daughters and they end up inspiring me because they are looking at the world. Um, I've got a lot of hope for the generation that's to follow. Um, okay. Our passionate they want just to serve. Um, they want to have a life balance that is more humane and more human. Um, mm -hmm. And so I continue to work hard so that the legacy that I leave them is something that I can be proud of and they, that they can look to because they're going to do amazing things in life as well. So, so those, they're, they're, they are real inspirational to me especially right now, as I see as they're, as they're coming into their own. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love that. And then I also like an extension from your daughters it is, you know, you're an adjunct faculty member too. So seeing new people coming up, um, you know, the younger generation of doctors as well, like I'm sure that is cool to see just how things change through the generations, right? Yeah, so it really is. It's, it's, they are, um, they, they are so much, well, and not everybody, okay, granted, in, in, you know, in every profession, you're going to have a whole range. But what I'm finding is there is a lot of empathy in the docs that we're training um, and, and recognizing that, that um, and, you know, and even when I was in medical school, you're, you don't treat a disease, you treat a person. But mm -hmm. I think they start there, that this is the person, now let's talk about the disease. So I, I'm really really excited about how medicine is going to hopefully make that shift into a more holistic type of understanding. I love that because that, and that's not like, so that's not something like that's kind of in you based on who you've been around. It's not something that you learn in textbooks, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. We always talk about, I always talk about the science of medicine and the art of medicine. You got to have the science, right? No question about it. Cause if you don't have the science, right, you shouldn't be in there. But science is only as can only take you so far, and that's when the art then has to be married to that and take over because that's when you really are a good doctor when you get the science and the art together. Sure, sure, makes sense. Um, so this question isn't on your list. Um, we didn't talk about this at all. But um, one thing that I'm thinking of as we're talking this whole time, um, like how how what energizes you to pursue? I mean, you are a busy, busy person <laughs> um, with all of your endeavors. Like, what energizes you? to get through those things and to bring your best because I also have to say like of all the people that I've interviewed you have been the most prompt and the most like 
like I asked for your bio information and like you sent it and it was very succinct and very helpful. And I'm like, you probably have to be about the busiest one of anybody. <laughs> and like, you are very professional and prompt about everything. So what energizes you to get through your day? I, well, first of all, I like to be busy. Um, so, so that's, that's something that's, that's always been, that's just kind of how I'm wired. I'm also, I think ultimately I'm so, so curious. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about what people are thinking, what they're doing, what they're reading. I'm curious about what new is happening in medicine, how all of these things I want. Um, if I had another three hours of the day, I would go back and get a degree. I would go get my law degree. Um, <laughs> I, I am just there. I, I think what it is, is I want to know so much about so many different things. Um, and that's what, that's what keeps me going, not just subjects, but people and how they react and how they interact. That to me is just fascinating. Um, yes. yeah, so that's kind of what gets me out of bed in the morning. I love it. I love it. Um, well, this has been great. Thank you for being a guest here, Pastor Caroline. And I just have to say that I am so inspired. And so I just look up to you so much as far as like your ambition and your drive, but also your relationship with Christ and how you are vocal with that and how you implement it in all areas of your life. So thank you for being an inspiration. <laughs> thank you, Carrie. Thanks so much for asking me. I appreciate it.